one statement I tend to repeat a million times to my websites, control what you can control. There's nothing more frustrating than focusing on things that you can't control. Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-growing companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B SaaS, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right. Hello and welcome. And let me see if I get the pronunciation right here. Thais Schutteiser. Pretty, pretty good. Like uh, for a uh, first time you've been pronouncing it, it's an amazing, like, it's a, it's a Dutch yeah. name. It's it, like, we, it's like Thais Schutteiser, which is, I think. Okay. Almost, not, uh, not even close. Well, it, it was pretty close. Like, to be honest, like, I, I don't think even like I'm from Belgium, even the Dutch people have a, have, have have a different kind of pronunciation of the name. So there's no value yeah. in Okay. Yeah. Good start. <laughs> uh, I actually went on to Google and tried to like do the audio click, but uh, yeah, next, next time. Uh, but anyhow, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well, Max. Um, I'm excited to be here. It's, it's a fun way of kind of chat to someone else and kind of play through my day. So uh, excited to, to just kind of have a, have a lovely chat. Nice. Looking forward to it as well. Uh, you okay as well? Yeah, I'm. I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm excited. And uh, looking a bit about uh, where where you're at. I mean, you're you're coming from from deal front. Uh, can you please just give a bit of a background of of the company? Because I know that there's been a merger. Uh, so so yeah. please give us the background story. Of course. So um, about a good four years ago, I started at Leadfeeder, um, which is a um, a, a, a intent platform, a buy intent platform. Um, it, it kind of offers a solution to kind of identify website visitors, kind of show you which companies have gone. So for the B2B market, it's been a really interesting technology. Um, with kind of lead feeder wanting to go and go into the second funding rounds, uh, we kind of stumbled upon an opportunity uh, through kind of uh, an investment firm to kind of merge together. And that was with Ecobot, uh, which is a German uh, company that specializes in kind of B2B data. Um, and they have like a very European focus. So we as a Finnish company, them as a German company, both very heavily focused on bringing the best data to kind of uh, B2B customers. There was a huge opportunity to just kind of bring that together. Uh, because the fun thing was we were kind of exploring different ways of getting more contact level data from a graphic data to our platform. Um, we're trying to find partners, which was not really uh, that easy. Um, and then that kind of stumbled upon our uh, journey. And now we, we've done an equal merger, which is maybe not that common as well, uh, mm-hmm. as we like literally Leadfeeder and Ecobot, it's case that we didn't know about each other like that much, but um, Looking at both uh, companies at that time when we merged, 
we were almost equal in employee numbers and kind of revenue. So it was really an equal merger. Uh, and with that came a 180 million investment as well. So we, we really kind of now set up as a one platform solution. And we like to say that we are the go-to-market platform now. Cool. And, and talking, uh, so you're obviously from the lead feeder side, but then now it's like the deal front uh, machinery. Uh, oh, yeah. Just to, to set the, the perspective a bit, uh, approximately ARR or like uh, size of the company, you talked about employees. How, how big are you guys? So currently, I'll, I'll need to look up the, the exact numbers. Well, I'll give estimates uh, or like minimums, let's say. Uh, we're over 300 employees. We were about a hundred, a bit over a hundred each. We've hired a bit more uh, uh, in the last uh, year or so that we've, we've been merging. Uh, so we had about 320, I think, employees uh, these days scattered around the globe. Um, obviously, kind of being a German company, we have a big kind of crew sitting there that calls our office. That's our HQ. We have a big uh, group in, in, in the Finnish office as well. But I think let's say 60-70% uh, of the other people are kind of spread around uh, the globe. We have an office in the Netherlands as well, in Stockholm and, and, and Copenhagen. Uh, we, have a lot, uh, we have a team in the US as well. So it's, it's, it's really a kind of a global vision uh, that, we, that we have and, and we have a lot of global customers. Um, Revenue-wise, I think we're, we're at about 30 million plus ARR these days. So it's a uh, uh, it's it's a really kind of fun growth environment that we're on. I, I don't think we, we can call us our, ourselves a startup anymore. If, if, if that kind of uh, not a paper, uh, not a paper at least. Yeah, um, there are some some startup opportunities within the company. I would say, but we're, we're really kind of massively scaling up. Mm. So uh, in that sense, um, it's really exciting to kind of be here for this journey. Um, like I said, like I started about four, a good four years ago when I was like the, the 40 something, uh, uh, employee apps at, at, at Leachy at that time. So now kind of being almost 10 times as much, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy to be. It's a journey. And, yes. uh, a bit more about you, as you said, you, you ended up there four years ago. Uh, how come you ended up there and why are you staying? <laughs> That's a really good question, man. Uh, a question that of course, everyone asked themselves, I think multiple times during their career, um, and very positively, I can say that I'm still here. Um, before I joined Lead Feeder, I did kind of a few other sales gigs. Uh, I think I had like three, four years of sales experience. If you can call it sales experience, to be honest, because joining Lead Feeder kind of opened my eyes to what really sales was. Uh, before joining Lead Feeder uh, at that time, I kind of worked first at a very early stage startup. Um, basically, very young entrepreneurs that didn't really know what they were doing. And they just thought, oh, let's, let's throw some salespeople at this. And I never, I never did a sales job before. So we really like just like tried to do something cold calling. Don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Mostly SDIing, to be honest, uh, yeah. without any, any real education. Uh, that felt, obviously that was not really the setup to, to kind of succeed, but like now I learned quite a lot of it. And at that time that was quite high, but. Uh, then I get, went to kind of a more traditional company and I did a bit of like a freelance uh, sales. I was like commission only uh, for about a year and a half. Uh, mm. That showed me 
like how to get through it and like really create opportunities. That's a good that school. Was yeah, yeah, a really good school. <laughs> um, at least like a good school for like perseverance, focusing on qualification, focusing on time management. That was really, really good. But like I said, once I joined the I got to see like what what is a sales process, what is kind of being analytically driven, uh, what 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 is it to kind of really chase a goal that is set up from the beginning instead of like just trying things and then making the best out of it. So um, that was really, really exciting and uh, exciting. And um, that is due to kind of good leadership, to be, to be honest as well. Uh, when I joined, there were like ex-Google people, ex-LinkedIn people, like uh, my manager at the time as well um, was, was really kind of um, knowledgeable and kind of helping me grow as, as a person. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really exciting. The first six months was kind of eye-opening and a bit crushing as well because I thought I was going to be able to do well at first, which was not precisely the case. Uh, but luckily, uh, I guess that get kind of paid up in the end and I was able to turn it around. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Has it always been sales or did you just like end up in that space? Well, I studied IT um, originally, so I have like a bachelor's in uh, IT. Um, but after doing my internship, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do programming. Um, I'm like, I'm a very outbound person. I like to talk to people. Um, I like to be kind of in the front lines. Um, like, seeing like diet results, that was important for me. So, like, being all that together, like, it, it made sense to kind of go into sales. And I think it was one of the best decisions I could, could make because I really love sales. And especially nowadays, I'm selling to sales and marketing people, which I love even more. And, and that's, that's, that's why I've stayed probably here as well. Like I love the environment that I'm in. I love the product, but I love who I'm talking to as well. Uh, and I've been loving that for the last four years. Uh, I think I, about a year ago, I kind of, for fun looked up, but I did like over 3,000 demos with sales and marketing people. And like in like three years within lead three years. So I was like, oh, so many people. Like, but like it's, and it still excites me every time I, I get to do this. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And in terms of the, the, the role you're the sales manager, what, uh, can you tell me a bit about your, your area or like the geography, the team, uh, the amount of people, the roles and so on? So I started as a junior AI, uh, then became went kind of the, the ranks and became senior. And then since this year, I've, I've become one of the sales managers uh, or team leads, however you like to call it. Um, I currently um, have four people that I uh, try to help on a daily basis. Let's say I need. Um, I focused on the European market mostly, um, but you can see that very broadly. Uh, as I'm in a PLG team, so product-led code team, we focus on all the trial setups that happen uh, because Leechede has a training model, like kind of a, a trial kind of model. Um, and I'm lucky to always been working with, let's say, trials. So that's that's maybe part of the reason I, I stay as well because it's it's a lot of fun because you, you get to have impact directly and, and the clients like maybe a little bit less. Um, and we kind of look at trials from most of the European countries, but even the rest of the world, we 
we tend to take that as well because the PLG has fed up between three teams, the US team, and then two teams in Europe. Uh, and I'm one of those teams in Europe. So in total, the PLG team is about 20 people, uh, which I am for in this one. Uh, mm. And those four people are, is it like account executives or more like uh, account managers managing and, and trying to, to convert or how does it work? Yeah, so um, they're mostly junior account executives do, that do full cycle sales. So um, within Leadfeeder, we've always had a full cycle sales um, role because they already signed up for trial. It made sense to kind of do it full cycle. Um, our, our kind of sales cycle is pretty short as well. It's like 30 days average less. So what we, what, 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 what we tend to do and what my apps tend to do is kind of reach out to them when they sign up for a trial. Um, we try to get them on the, we call it a training call. In kind of, it's kind of a demo, but we, we like to be very consultative about it because they already, like, they already signed up for a trial. So they're already, already engaging and kind of maybe even using the platform. Um, but that's kind of how we, how we push it through. Currently, I have, I have three juniors and one meteor AI uh, that I uh, uh, manage. Mm-hmm. And you talked a bit about the, the sales cycle. Uh, how complex is it to sell Dealfront? Can you tell me a bit more about the like average deal size or, or the, the ICP and so on? So that's a two-sided question in the sense that um, are you asking me like how complex Dealfront is or selling or how complex is the product Leadfeeder? Because Leadfeeder as a company is now a product of the Dealfront, Dealfront environment. Um, yeah. I'm still, and my team is still heavily focused on the lead feeder product because that is the, the PLG motion is kind of linked to that specific product. What was Echobot, their sales intelligent platform. That's more sales more focused. Yeah. That's more, yeah, that's an SLG focused yep. kind of way of selling. So for us, because it's PLG, it's not very complex. It's more about volume. Um, the ARI is about four or five K average as well. So not that much. Like I said, under 30 days, um, on a good good month, you close five to 10 deals. So it's like, it's an exciting volume-based business uh, that we really try to kind of push through. And like five to 10, that's like, that's not like something very spectacular. Like in my days, I sometimes have months and I sold over 15 deals a month, which was like, kind of like, oh, like you felt, you felt on the roll, but it's not like you're like having a special, special, special month. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of how it looks most of the time. Okay. And, uh, you, you talked about the demos, uh, what KPIs is most important for you and your team, uh, focusing on these inbound, uh, PLG motion sales. So, um, when you're talking about like a product, like go team and, or, or inbound, like it, it's kind of the same at, at some level, but. When we talk about product-led growth, I think the product comes first and sales comes second. That's not like that the one or the other thing is more important, but the salesperson should try to support their product environment. So the most important thing that we track are how many people did you end up connecting with? It's really simple. Like if you get how the trial signups, we want you to uh, achieve 60% plus connection. 70% is like, like where we want it to be. 60% plus is where the KPIs is really kind of measured. So basically so, you follow up on, on all, but you don't get a hold of 30%, 40%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that's due to a lot of reasons because some people start a trial, never look at it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. There's like some technical things that need to happen as well. Uh, to kind of get going with DG, you can install a website tracking. So you kind of have someone from the website team or marketing team to help you. So some people that sign up find that maybe too kind of cumbersome or don't have access. So, um, but a lot of the times like, we are able to connect with them at, at some level. Could be literally just an email chat, could be through LinkedIn that we just end up kind of chatting to them or something of the sorts. But a lot of the times, and that's when the next KPI comes into place, is that we, we push for a Zoom call, an online call. So uh, as I said before, we, that's the training fully, call. Yes, that's the training call. I think. Um, so we are a full remote company uh, at that sense, and remote first. Um, so everyone is doing everything online. Uh, I think in my four years, I, have I ever done an in-person call? I don't think so. I don't think I've uh, never any. Never. 3,000 no, demos all online. Yeah, all online. Uh, people tell <laughs> me Kate all the time about this, but like, I love it. Um, it's very efficient. So um, we want you to um, get as many training calls uh, as possible. I'll call them demos for ease of use. this, but um, we really kind of like promote them as training calls uh, because of the consultative nature, kind of how we kind of t- try to go about, about it. Uh, the goal is about eight plus... Uh, demos a week for every year. Uh, that's kind of uh, what, what we, we tend to hope for. for. If we're looking at connection rate to to kind of training booked, most of the time that's over 50% of the people that we connect with that end up being like uh, uh, a, a call. And then what is, of course, the most interesting uh, KPI, that this is the one that I think we, we put the most thought into is what's the win rate from training done? Because yeah. If you had a training, if you had a demo with them, uh, that means that they should be qualified. That's where we really kind of commit to the sales qualified leads uh, momentum. And from those, uh, we want about 40 to 50% uh, to win. So it is a heavy conversion. Uh, it used to be a bit more because we were too cheap, to be honest. <laughs> it was like when I started, we had over 50% conversion rate. We still, to be honest, it's too much. We sh- you shouldn't be converting that much. That, that means yeah. that we yeah, then you can bump the prices. Yes. So yeah. uh, we did some adjustments there and, and now we, we kind of are at a, at a better level, I think, for, for everyone. The yeah. AR has, has almost doubled to Albion. So yeah. um, that was pretty interesting to kind of see uh, come, come to play as well. Yeah. Um, to be honest, though, it has been a bit tough uh, the last quarter. Um, there were a lot of changes with kind of the, the merger. I think everyone can see as well that the economics has not have been a bit iffy sometimes, especially the US market has, has been like heavily affected by that as well. So the win rates have been a bit more fluctuates. Uh, I think um, that's that's for sure. But like even this month now, we already see a bit more like momentum kind of picking up again, and, and that win rate being more at at where it, it should be going. So at the end of the funnel, uh, about fifteen to twenty percent of the leads end up converted. That's that's the idea. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you said it. I mean, it's tougher times, obviously. But I'm I'm curious on the uh, machinery that I must say that you you have. Like, uh, do you have a a cap on time spent per demo, or do you have some sort of playbook for the sales reps to follow? Uh, I mean, there's 
there must be a lot of best practice uh, things documented and your 3000 demos in the backpack. <laughs> uh, like h- how do you, how do you train that to the sales team? Yeah. Um, it's an ongoing document, let's say, and, uh, some of it is, is very well documented and some of it is not that well documented because it's harder to put into text, to be honest, like, and that's something with sales, uh, and it's part of my challenge, of course, to put that in a better kind of uh, context, but, um, I would say there's, there's a few things we can really easily coach on other things that are harder to coach show um and that go, that goes hand in hand like how we hide as well and how we onboard so i like how we train people is how we hire and, and vice versa i think it should be one and the same because otherwise like it doesn't make sense so um when we hire we look at a lot of soft skills as well because in the plg like i said it's it's not about like a million calls and outbounding etc um I want you to understand our market. I want you to understand our decision-maker unit. So if you have sales and marketing experience, one or both of both is really interesting because you will drive conversations and that's really important. Yeah. Like I said, it's a very consultative approach. So we really want to create conversations, not like, not just. Not just a monologue. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, and then it's all about time management. Time management is so important. Like I said, it's a volume based. Um, I, I, like during my times, I, 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 a lot of the times I have a hundred plus leads a month assigned to me. So that's a lot of companies and outreaches do that you need to do. Uh, that ends up being like at least a hundred plus outreach touch point that you need to do a day, um, going from calls, emails and others, but you, you had a full cycle at all. So that's just kind of on the new kind of deals, then you still need to manage all the ones that you yeah, the ones. Yeah. Yeah. Follow up, closing. So it can get quite a lot for the juniors, of course. We, we bring that down to about 60 something uh, leads a, a month. So that's kind of the model as well that we have. Like the more senior you are, the more opportunities you get. You get more chances to sell, you get more chances to make money, et cetera, et cetera. So time management has been something that we, we invest a lot of time into and like how to, to be efficient. Uh, and that goes and starts with the sales cadence. We've done a lot of like standardization of the sales cadence. We're doing that now as well as we're looking to move to sales lofts, which I'm very excited, excited to, to kind of have more control. Yeah. So, uh, that's, have we gotten like, started or is it just in the, in the starting points? It's, um, well, the, the sales let go team already is in sales loft. We're here still in the legacy tool. So we yeah. always use Spark Drive, which is mm-hmm. not a, like, it, it's an okay CM system. There's a lot to, to kind of base there, but we've kind of outgrown it. And uh, I would say on a lot of different levels. So with kind of sales loft coming and then we have sales, Salesforce and sell, sales loft combination, mm-hmm. more traditional uh, kind of, let's say uh, tool stack that we're looking into. Uh, but I'm hoping that the sales gains can be a bit more uh, specific because now I don't have full control of, of, of that sales cadence. It's very clearly outlined and this is documented from A to Z, like what is expected. We have like, for example, uh, it's more guidelines than like exactly saying what they need to say because I want, of course, to be like, to let them be creative, but um, we have like, oh, you need to do at least eight touch points, uh, doing in 21 days, uh, you need to 
within the, f the first four, uh, four days, you need to have at least four to five touch points, depending on the qualification of the... Um, Regardless of channel, like well. uh, LinkedIn, email, phone, something. Yeah, so we do, we do not... Uh, we, we, we prioritize calling, obviously, because if someone trial, signs up for a trial and they, they leave their phone number, yeah. they kind of want to be called. It's, yeah, expect that. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you expect it. So it's yeah. like uh, we have an SLA of less than one hour after, after they sign up uh, as well, uh, because we've seen the best connection rate happen uh, when we do that. So those are a few things that we, we kind of heavily control. Uh, so I would say the processes are mostly laid out until the training call has been booked. That's where it's very clear to what is expected what kind of touch points we have different templates they can use and that have personalization options, uh, like how we try to connect mm. the best, uh, channel that we currently have are calling at LinkedIn. I think those are the two that my team has had the best success out of email is very good as well. Uh, but it, it kind of is seen as more like if they would have booked through email, probably if you call them, you, they would have booked as well. Like uh, those are like the people that are just very engaged with your product. Uh, well, on, on call and through uh, social, we've seen more ways to connect with people who would normally not like a demo, let's say, or like not like the calling. So that's where you, you make the biggest difference. Um, and then we go into the training call itself, uh, and that's where uh, a lot of the work fluctuation happens and a lot of ad hoc coaching happens. So that's where my primary time goes as well as a manager looking at recordings, digesting the training call notes, uh, kind of seeing what, what has happened and mm -hmm. seeing if the discovery is up to par to kind of use cases that we, we can fill in uh, and do we have the necessary next steps. Those are the two essential things for a PLG team after doing them. Have you done the necessary discovery to put them into boxes? Like I'm I'm in beliefs because it is a PLG motion. It's an inbound motion. The people that come to us are already very educated. They know kind of what they want. They are actively looking and it's our job to ask them questions to make sure that we know, okay, it fits within this box of use case that we have. Um, for lead feeder, I always like to say like, we, we can fill four boxes. We can help you with new business development, kind of giving you new qualified accounts. We can help you with pipeline optimization more broadly, helping with kind of uh, making sure that the currency app for Java and Ekits are being used as best as possible. We can help with marketing and retargeting and everything around that, or we can help with marketing analytics. So knowing that we have those four boxes, what kind of questions do we need to ask to kind of fit them into one of those boxes? That's what I want them to perform towards. Because if you keep asking questions to the prospect and you know that they fit in one, two or three or four boxes, then we can start pitching them. And that's how we kind of conduct our training call as well. Um, whenever yeah. you start sharing your screen, you should know already which box they fit in. Because otherwise you're sharing your screen and just showing the product and hoping the prospect figures it out, which only happens on a small occasion. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, I mean... You have a, a couple of junior reps, and as you said, there are a lot of best practice, playbooks, templates, uh, cadences. How do you work with knowledge sharing in the team? Is that something that you own and like you go through the calls and meetings, or is it more that you 
tell them to do it then they do their own like research homework or how do you set that up um i can think of three levels of knowledge sharing that we do so first of all we have the one-on-one ad hoc knowledge sharing so that's very focused on deal to deal let's say knowledge sharing i look at the recording i tell them oh i really like this i dislike this you need to double check this um we need to kind of and I kind of link back to the to the process that we we have. Like, okay, this is probably what was missing here on this call. Remind it for yourself. Make sure to, for example, double check if they have marketing personnel. We did ask that. Like, can be as simple as that. Um, or whenever I see a pattern, of course, we do like a bigger, bigger kind of uh, coaching session on a specific subject. Could be, for example, oh, I see that you're having a hard time setting up the correct timeline. And we see that your closing date has suffered from that. Like that's something that like, so those patterns can easily be dissected by doing that ad hoc one-on-one, um, let's say, um, analyzation from that analyzation as we read three different managers within the PLG motion. And on top of that, it's dive as well. We look and see, do we have any, trends within all teams together, uh, because we have a PLG brainstorm session every two weeks. Uh, it's uh, what does that mean? It's a good half an hour that we just block where we just discuss um, trends that has happened. Uh, could be from the learning that we had on the one on two ones to sentiments that we got from the team to things that we as a manager believe should be. Um, let's improve the ball. So but it, it's more, yeah, it's more for the sales reps. It's not like we have feedback to the product team. No, no, this is one-on-one with, uh, this is only the sales team. Yeah. So um, where, what we do there is mostly like, for example, we change a lot of the pricing uh, within like how we sell like, the volume and like everything out of that, like there were a lot of pricing changes. And we saw that the confidence of kind of pitching that went down because we suddenly like, were asking more money for the same product kind of, uh, which is- which The psychological is switch. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Because the customers don't mind, like obviously some will mind and obviously everyone wants the cheapest price possible. I totally understand that. But economics are economics and we need to adhere to the fact that we could ask for a model because we were leading the space. We were having a really good product. People were saying yes way too much and push, never pushing back on pricing. So with having that, we kind of needed to kind of reinstill some confidence that we did a lot, like a lot of sessions on that. Uh, it's very open mind, like literally like we, like we as managers, we come up with a few things that we think we could do and that we try to kind of take, uh, a few of the more senior people and like ask like, oh, how would you pitch it? How would you pitch it? And like that way we kind of create a more P2P environment where we can kind of see different kind of pitches, um, happening and kind of try to kind of do a bit of situation, uh, spying as well, uh, to yeah. kind of see like, oh, how would you handle that? And we tried to clip some of the recordings as well of the training that they've done, kind of specificities around that and check that and kind of create it, uh, a learning atmosphere around that. And so say specifically the PLG motion. Um, this month, for example, we're focusing on our templates again uh, because we saw that, like, because it's such a volume-based business, uh, we can fa- fall into a tendency of doing a repeat without thinking. We want to kind of, again, as we're now moving to sales loft, take the opportunity to again optimize our uh, our templates. And with that, uh, we're asking their feedback as well because 
they're in the field, they know what templates are working, what they feel like is, is kind of connecting with them. We do have some small analytics to that, but to be honest, this is why we're moving to sales lot as well, to be more analytical with yeah, ourselves. More data-driven. Uh, yes, uh, because at Bydrift, it's been, it's been one of the biggest challenges, I would say. Um, so those are the things that we do then on the PLG front. And of course, we have an enablement team as well. Um, the enablement team is more focused on the high-level perspective. Um, something new that they've now just introduced, which is quite exciting, though, is a, a win and loss learning room. Uh, so mm-hmm. every Friday, there's an optional half an hour for the whole revenue team to join. And there's always going to be discussed a couple losses and a couple uh, wins uh, around the whole team and what the learnings were of those specific win cases and loss cases. Who, who um, brings up the wins or losses? Individual apps. So they get... Okay. So every every week, uh, the enablement team uh, asks a specific manager to... to kind of uh, get someone from their team to present. Um, and then we look at temporary, what was one, and then it's specific. You can, of course, track the GSA as well. We, we, did, we had a gate with kind of put it on the, on, on the board, uh, but they, they change it pretty well to kind of Thanks. make sure that some, like the different teams have, have, have an opportunity to share. Um, and then we kind of just say, why did we win? How did we win? What were the challenges? But as well, like, why did we use we maybe lose was it status quo was it the competitive was it pricing was it something else um, and that's been receiving quite a lot of good feedback so I think that's that's something that we're going to stick with uh, as well yeah yeah that's uh, an interesting forum and and uh, as you said uh, that it's it's up for the individual reps but the, the managers are like uh, appointed to to bring someone forward <laughs> yes 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 yeah. I think if, if we just leave it completely open, it would be too easy to to not have like the the people like to always have the same people. Yeah, we all know that some people have a, have a tendency to be okay with kind of presenting, kind of showing off. And mm. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. Like it is what it is. Um, that kind of creates a, a certain kind of um, part as well. So I want to make sure that my apps always get the gadgets or get the chances as well, even if it's not good of their nature. So I have, for example, a very uh, strong app uh, for Steam. Uh, I really love working with her. She's a, she's, she's a real go-getter, but she doesn't sell herself at any level. And it's something I'm trying to go show off. Uh, but yeah, that's, but like that kind of form, for example, is really good for her. Yeah. And, and uh, as you said, I think uh, if you, get to choose you might always see the same people and bringing up the same type of stories like the success stories or the ah i i could have improved here type of story but uh switching the topic a bit uh we're gonna do a couple of quick ones okay uh so i've got uh, three three fast questions and uh uh yeah a- answer them kind of fast so first thing uh one thing that you use ChatGPT for um, almost nothing these days. Um, I tested it out, tried to do sales templates with it, thought yeah. it was very generic, stopped using it. The okay. only way I use ChatGPT for is to kind of prepare my travels. That's been really, really well. Like, <laughs> for traveling? Nothing. Yeah, for traveling. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. if I go to a city, like, what's the 10 things I need to do? Yeah, um, yeah that's that's it. To be honest. Okay, yeah, that's it. All right. And uh, 
We talked a bit about calling uh, and using the phone as a tool. If you have to decide for for you and your whole team, should you leave a voicemail or not? Yes. Always. 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 Because we, we're, we're talking to inbound. So why would you not leave a voicemail? Yeah. So, well, all voices may be the first time you call for sure. Like, like if I'm calling like five times in, in four days, I'm not going to leave a voicemail if you did. But that's... That's just being obnoxious, I think. But literally what the process is like, they sign up, you call them. If you go go to voicemail, you refer back to the fact that they signed up and that you're going to follow up through a different channel. Could be LinkedIn, could be email. So I'm using voicemail to strengthen the other channel. That's the only way I use voicemail. I'm not going to pitch on the voicemail. That doesn't doesn't make any sense, but I go to name job myself. I'm going to let them know I'm going to reach out by email instead. And now we're going to continue, continue talking there. Or I'm going to call them back. Like, I'm not literally saying that, but I'm showing them like answer because otherwise you will be stuck. Like, that's kind of the, the vibe I want to give off. And a friendly matter, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the last one. If, uh, you were to, if we were to ask your team, what question do you ask them the most? That's a good question. Um, I know I need to answer it fast, but probably how are you doing? That's that's probably the first <laughs> question I always ask. But that's the most important for me always is like just making sure that they are on a mentally good level. Um, yeah. And then the second question would probably be, um, how do you feel about your pipeline? Yeah, <laughs> classic. Uh, that's that because everything that's good about PLG is why it's hard as well. So you don't get to choose with who you work. Um, and the numbers not, don't always show that. Like, I'm going to give you a hundred companies to work with that su- signed up for a trial. It yeah. could be that the one month, 80% of that is really, really qualified. And the other month, that's maybe 10%. Our marketing team does a good job kind of owning the full metrics and kind of going as, as far as where the FE really comes into. But still, it has fluctuations. Uh, one of the most challenging things I think currently as a manager is lead distribution uh, because how it comes in, like we have different languages as well. So we hire based on languages. Um, and in the US, it's really simple. They have a win, one big pool of companies. So everyone gets like they hand them assigned. But we need to constantly balance because, like, I have a French speaking person, like, lead level for, for, for France has been like steady. But that suddenly one month maybe it goes goes down or one month goes up. Like the the marketing is sometimes focused on a specific region here and there, but it always has a global uh, reach component because that's where we get the best results from. Because we scale so well, that's where you get the cheapest leads from. Like if you want to very specifically get 50 leads from this specific region, it will always be more expensive. That's what marketing tells me either way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting because either you you go with the of course you have to align on language and then geography and so on, but uh, you can either do like the the fair approach, which is yeah every other to every other sales rep, but there's also so some uh, organizations that focus on like the highest performing reps get the best leads or the the biggest potential. Uh, what's your take on that? I, I get the reasoning with that. But there's some bias in that as well, that like how will a lowish performing airplane go to the next level? Like 
if we're never giving them the chances to get the group level leads, like how, how are we going to like process that there? And to be honest now, nowadays, I don't think for the PLG motion that makes any sense because we get assigned all leads with, uh, companies less than 200 employees. So we kind of focused on the mid market and small market. So everyone within the PLG motion gets the same kind of leads, uh, depending on seniority level. So you will get more leads if you're more senior because you have, you have a higher quota to reach and you get more opportunities. Yeah, but as you say, it's going to create a catch-22 if you, you never get the chance to take your, yourself to the next level. So then yeah. it's a difficult spot. But of course, like if, if someone has a bad month or has had a bad month, you want to, of course, get them back to a winning state. And I will try and do that with it, every power I have. Like There is an automatic lead process, but some people, like I sometimes reach out to us through support, for example. And it was like a non-qualified lead, but suddenly someone from a country that we normally don't assign us for, for, for the demo, like then I can give this to, to a person that may have a lower workload that we do. like has been kind of bit, having a bit of harder time, uh, kind of get, getting going, especially if it's not their own, like control. That's probably the thing I say, say the most, like beside, like I ask a lot of questions, of course, but one statement I tend to repeat a million times to my reps is control what you can control. There's nothing more frustrating than focusing on things that you can't control. Have you done the full cadence and it's now up to them to sign or buy? That's fine. Go for, go focus on booking more trainings because that is what you can control. Did you perfectly discover, lay out a timeline and they say no at the end? No worries. We've controlled what we can control. So that's really the sentiment that I want to push through, especially with the PLG environment. That's so fast. There's so many things that's happening. We call up spent a million, a million hours elite as well. So we, we can only control as much. Um, and that's why it's so like far, like the, the losses will not affect you in the PLG. Like we don't talk about losses that much probably like versus other, other companies because we're focused on the ones that we can win and sure. we can do that because of the volume. And that's, that's the fair thing. And I think also laying that ground, like rule mentality for junior reps as well, because that sets the tone for their whole growth journey in terms of what they're going to focus on, how they're going to self-educate themselves within sales and so on. And the switching topic, uh, sales is money and uh, money rarely sleeps. So how do you uh, maintain a good work-life balance? I know that you asked me, um, why are you still at Dilshon before? I didn't really answer that, uh, 50 heads on. Um, so second chance go. <laughs> yeah. Second chance. And so the balance that I get here at this company is, is, is a big reason as well. Obviously we have product, we have environment, we have amazing team gatherings, for example, a couple of times a year to try that. That really brings a good culture. Um, and that culture of balance has always been really, really well. Like I said, Lead Feeder was originally a Finnish company. And I think the Finnish people have that going for them that they know what life work balance is uh, about, like from, from community standpoints, from like a government standpoint. They have crazy amount of time off, uh, to be honest, like public holidays to how they treat parents, etc. So that cultural approach, I, I always felt 
very much to all the different facets. A good example of that is we have a time check machine, which always most people would think is micromanaging and probably making sure that you work enough hours, but they used it vice versa. Like, oh, you work too much. Why? Taking those hours back. Like that. That's kind of the mentality that they had more so when looking at the wow. time sheet. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, I was I was really blown away with that. And there's a lot of flexibility in, in, in the hours. And I think the flexibility is expected from both sides. Um, but of course, this is all with an asterisk. Um, and it's always easy to say when you perform well. And that's, of course, within a sales environment, we need to, like you said, money speaks, uh, money never sleeps, etc. If you're doing well, nobody's going to bother. We're, we're result-driven. If you're doing the things that you need to do, obviously still do your admin, do them, do the, the thing that your manager wants to, so they can like know what you're doing and kind of can tell the manager as well, like you do this and this and this, but as long as you're performing, do what, what you want to do. Is that you want to go to yoga or uh, doing, doing lunch and take a big lunch break, go and do that. That's if it's working for you, really cool. In the beginning, of course, we tried to be a bit more specific about that, that we have flexible work environments. We have a bit of a core hours between 10 and three, I would say, but even that is flexible as long as you're being transparent. On top of that, I have my own martial arts academy as well. Here oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I still practice uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been practicing that for about 10 years now, and that keeps me honest as well, because I have trainings that I need to give uh, three times a week. Yeah. So on Thursdays and Fridays, for example, I need to be there at 630. So, uh, whatever happens, I, I need to go. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a clear break. Yeah, that's been good as well. And I think that helps me with uh, clearing my mind the best. Like, dog walks really nice, etc. But I still have my phone with me. Slack is on it. Like, it's, like, it, it gets all a bit, a bit blurry. If you're practicing martial arts or any sports, probably, um, you can't think of anything else. Like, if someone is trying to choke you, try to think about sales. <laughs> it's not yeah, good luck. It. So yeah, yeah. so uh, that's that's really been my my go to. A lot of people within the three uh, deal from Echobot or, or wherever you want to kind of, kind of call it, they have some kind of side hustle or they have something they're very passionate about next to work, and we allow it. This company is built on top of the facet that you can combine your career with something that you're passionate about, um, and that's why I'm still here. That's why I'm. Always happy to work, to be honest. Like, I, I didn't think this was possible. I, I, I really love my job. I really, really love working for a company like Deal Chance because they give me the freedom to perform. They give me the challenge as well. I'm not going to say it's easy all the time and I'm never stressed. I'm definitely stressed. Like I'm, I'm in sales. Like there's always going to be special times. But they let me kind of recover from that stress really well. And I think that's smart about it. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good answer. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. It's time to, to wrap up a bit. And uh, if you were to give me some advice on uh, some upcoming guests on the podcast, do you have any, uh, any, any people? Um, what kind of people do you want? Do you want sales people, marketing people? Do you want? Uh, I want the thought leaders within SaaS. So sales, marketing, growth, uh, can be CEOs, yeah, CROs, okay. you name it. Um, well, one 
person that I think is really interesting is Joran, uh, Joran Hoffman. Uh, I'm going to link you his profile uh, call. But uh, Joran was a, is, is an ex-employee uh, from Lichidiv. Uh, when mm-hmm. I started, she, she was so gracious to help me get going here as well. He's from the Netherlands. Um, and um, he was head of customer success, but he started his own company uh, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. And he's focused on going PLG companies as well uh, with affiliate networking. He has a company called Editors, and she's been bootstrapping that. So it's it's been really cool to see him do that. Um, and he helps B2B SaaS startups. You need to manage affiliates. So I nice. think he, he would be an awesome person to, to look yeah, at. Yeah, perfect. He has a lot of, yeah, he has a really cool... Uh, he has a lot of content as well. I think she's even doing podcasts and stuff as well. So uh, you could do a joint podcast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, um, I think she's a really interesting person to kind of uh, look at if you want to kind of really focus on the SaaS space. And he's he was very he was very helpful for me as well when I started getting a dish. And he's just an awesome person as well. Uh, he's, he's he's a nice person to get a beer, but he's a nice person to get advice from as well. So. Beer and business. Yeah. Awesome, appreciate that. And uh, last but not least, uh, if you get to say some sort of, uh, it can be either like real good best practice advice, or it can be more of like a cringy sales manager slogan to motivate people. Uh, what would you uh, like to to end this episode with? Always make sure you have next steps. Always, like it's been the critical mistake I made in the beginning of my career, and I literally went from being almost never hitting my target to over exceeding by just <laughs> taking that to heart and Dangerous. maybe a bit too much in the beginning, but always make sure you have a next step. Even if it's a no, that's okay. Next step could be anything, but always have one. I love that. That's uh, that's good. That's actually something that we've built into Lime Go that whenever you check off uh, to do, you get the reminder, what's the next step? Yes. Uh, because there's always one. Even if it's going to be like, call them in two years, that's a to-do. You use so many opportunities if you don't fear. Yeah. I like that, Max. Nice. Great. Good advice. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for, for joining me on this uh, episode, uh, Dice. Yes. Yes. And uh, enjoy the, the rest of your day and uh, take care. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Max. We'll speak again. Yeah, definitely. Bye. Bye-bye. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. One call close. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, liberating if you enjoyed it. While we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast and enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects I should phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects I should phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone.